Welcome to the Talking Story Podcast. We'll be your hosts for season one. I'm Lorenzo Roel Flores Please. I'm Ezra Kikaway Cook. And I'm Oceana Sawyer. In this space, as people of the global majority, we reflect on our experiences living here in Jefferson County, a semi-rural region of the Olympic Peninsula, which is primarily white folks. This is us talking to us about us for us. This episode of Talking Story is called Owning Your Individuality. Today we sit down with Ave. Ave is a musician, rapper, singer, and social worker in the Port Townsend community. Last year, they dedicated their time to engaging with students in the schools to better understand the health and wellness needs of young people, particularly underrepresented groups such as LGBTQ, PGM, and disabled youth. This creative soul, I am honored to call my friend. You gave me advice, something along those lines of taking care of myself and decisions for myself as if I'm caring for a child. Yeah, you told me that once when I was was breaking down over some transphobia I've been dealing with. And yeah, you said something to me like that, like imagine, sometimes imagine your inner child is like your child, like you're a parent. Yeah. And so you have to care about them getting validation or food or water or, you know, sleep, things like that. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really good advice. And it doesn't matter if you're only a couple years older than me, like you can still be <laughs> wise and older or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> talking to a literal wall like you'll just hear someone say something microaggressive to you like everyone time was like oh that guitar isn't good because it was probably made in asia and i'm just like okay let's talk about it and then i'm like you know what they don't want to hear it no they Which don't sucks. it literally sucks but me trying to sit down like they want to hear me i would like to be optimistic like that but it's not going to work right then and they're going to act like, they're going to be like, why? And I'm like, do you actually want to know why? Or do you want to fight with me? Like, I literally say that. <laughs> and then they say, that, that, is good. that actually works better than me trying to be like, let's unpack it because they don't want to unpack it. Man, this last for bro. 
girls really got me tripping. I'm focused on my roots and all that Pinoy vision. Betty Bosa in the sky, reminded to just listen. Listening to my heart, choosing love and all decisions. Lolo, I got that variety, those on the forgiveness. Lolo, I got that kindness and medicine all within us. And I put it all together, now I got my own business. Like keeping myself together and working on moral fitness. Cause I'm the kid on my family's team. I wanna make it better than Lolo could ever dream. I come up is down to earth and I'm learning to know my worth. I'll give it to my children, they'll know it's what they deserve. Cause we're the kids that our family dreamed of. You mentioned they put up a wall when they're listening to you, right? It's like you're talking at a wall sometimes when you're trying to quote unquote educate people or answer to whatever thing they're saying that they don't necessarily want to hear. I almost feel from what you're saying also that there's a wall between what they're saying to you and you because they also are not really aware of what they're saying. So they're kind of disconnected. Yeah, they're kind of disconnected from the conversation entirely, which to me sounds like something that we can do in turn. It's almost kind of what you do when you shut it down. Is it's a different type of wall. It's like your right to not be read, your right to have your opinion not be expressed. You're right to not be seen in a situation where we're hyper-visible just because we're black and brown. So now we're mm -hmm. everybody's spokesperson. One of the strategies for navigating life here is to have, we were talking about this in our last conversation, boundaries. Like, yeah. no, I'm actually not available to talk with you right now. I don't care anything about you. You don't care anything about me. So in this conversation that you're having with just us, what's your secret strategy? for navigating, getting around this town, and keeping your show? Yeah. First of all, I think this right here is so therapeutic in itself, because I realize even right now, I'm just so used to presenting myself to white people. Like I'm like a present, like a literal presentation of how to better the human race. Mm -hmm. Like I remember we started this podcast and I was like, Getting into my presenter voice, I'm like, what am I doing? Like, I don't even know how to like. You said so you're about being a bad time because I'm feeling better at this town. And me and Lorenzo looked at each other and were like, no, it's perfect. I'm so tired of putting it into a package of like, mm -mm. I'm upset, but it's okay mm -hmm. because here's how you're going to be my ally. Like, real change happens when people are allowed to express how they actually feel, and that's something that America really struggles with. Like, they just do not want to hear how people feel so much that we literally police protest with people saying what they feel. I know for me, I came into this town and I only had one objective, and that was to meet all black and brown people in town. I had no energy the white folks. <laughs> no. Yeah. And they would come around and be like, oh, she's out of here. Oh, wait, I see Belva over there. Excuse me. And just, <laughs> and just like, go, move on. Yeah. So I find, for me, how I keep my chill is I don't even start. I just stay focused on the people I'm going to meet that better living through coffee. I don't mm -hmm. stress about the rest. I feel like the way for me to keep chill is just with my people. Yeah, yeah. And I don't even try. You know, there's some people in town that I consider co-conspirators or, you know, good enough friends. And that's fine. I understand who they are. They understand who they are to me. I don't spend a lot of time there. I spend a time, I know, you know, it's called a relationship, but 
I understand where I get my resource. And I'm not even pretending like it's going to come from anybody else. I think that's what's like really frustrating when you face microaggressions or systemic inequity. Because I feel like a lot of what I hear about activism sometimes is like, fuck men, men hurt us. Fuck women, women hurt us. It's everyone being like, oh, that group of people, we're not going to think about that. But they do exist in the world. The main systems of oppression in our world are white supremacy, patriarchy, colonization, right? All of us have been, as marginalized people, sad by a relationship that we had with a white person that was like, it hurt us. You know? mm -hmm. And like, we mourn that. Like, I'm so angry. And when I'm angry, I'm actually really just sad. So I feel like I see white people as part of this earth. Like, we're all part of this ecosystem. And you're not holding up your part of the ecosystem. Sometimes, and that's what hurts brains. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. I know I'm trying really hard to hold up my part, but like the fact that you're not makes me so sad and like all yeah. sick feeling because we are connected, whether or not I want to be. But at the same time, being when I'm around black around people, I'm like, there's no worry in the world. We're gonna be all okay. Sometimes like microaggression happened to me, and then like white person will be like, oh, why don't you think that? Like. Yes, they did. Like, yes, no, yes, they don't. 100% did. Don't even make me, like, explain. Yeah. Even if they didn't directly mean it, that doesn't mean it wasn't an issue. Because, like, implicit bias is a part of it, too, right? So, like, people yeah. can say stuff that's misogynistic or homophobic or racist without knowing intentionally that that's what they're doing. That doesn't mean it isn't still harmful and that we get invented on it. Exactly. Um, that's, like, what can happen to me at the health department. I would be like, someone just did this to me or to another person or to a group of people. People would be like, I don't understand why that's problematic. And I'm like, well, I don't feel like explaining the whole history of America right now. Just <laughs> like, like, um, I'm so sorry that you don't understand like why that's harmful, but I can't go back like a thousand years and tell my guns turns and steel right now so that we can like <laughs> <laughs>
there's so much of this idea of like establishment and when you're in the realm of a school or a workplace you belong to that company you belong to that establishment and so you have a set of ideals of that establishment and it's like a hive mind and i hate that yeah it's, it's so unnatural and it's such a thing in american and western culture and i was like one of the only people that noticed that at the school all of the school policies aside my friends heard and i yeah. want to help them and I can make the money to fix this. Or, you know, that's just another example. Just like things of like, well, I can problem solve from how I would solve problems in my everyday life, no matter what, outside of the establishment. And people kind of forget that level of thing, which is like caring. People are like, I want to help you in whatever way, but my job comes first. If your job comes first and capitalism comes first, you think that's reality. You think that's the important reality. Like that's the one you choose. If you say, well, we gotta get back to reality, it's like, well, sorry, that's your reality. Yeah. Not mine. I wanna hear also what you think, but Lorenzo, I feel like it's just so grounded all the time. Maybe I just think that because you seem grounded, but maybe. So is that how I pick my battle? Yeah, yeah, no. I think I mentioned this in the last podcast, but I'm pretty reserved about how I present myself to people, and I'm very deliberate about that. Mm-hmm. To make sure that the right people know who I am and know what I'm about, and the wrong people don't. I'm not willing to get in arguments and fight with people for no reason, because it feels like if they're even coming at me with these sort of opinions and these sort of views, it's not my responsibility. It's not always the BIPOC person's responsibility to change somebody's mind mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. be the solution. Also, I feel targeted in some ways, and I try to protect myself from that. Targeted just like as a man, as a BIPOC man, it's a real feeling and it gets worse as I get older. Like I'm gonna steal something from a store, can't wear a hoodie out in public, all that type of stuff, and it drains me. I like close up a little bit, but then in the past two years, a year or so, all this BIPOC student union stuff, the BIPOC excursions with Azra and Corey, I go to those things or I go to the Sunday dinners and I'm recharged a little bit. I do less of retaliation and battles and more. Mm-hmm. I kind of just endure the blows and then I recharge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's pretty much what I do. I'm, yeah, I'm a little worried about retaliation. And I'm worried about what the response. Oh, no, 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 no. Now, this yeah. is a whole other category <laughs> of conversation. <laughs> This is a matter of safety and being a target, particularly as a man. No. What toxic masculinity that starts to play into that? I'm going to stay with that for a second. Because how we protect the people in our community that are the most targeted, that's real. How do we do that? What have we thought about? What have we done? What have we seen that works and what doesn't work? And how do we feel about that? Honestly, sometimes I think it comes down to just like basic living. That's the first priority. We talked about like having a house, having food. Mm-hmm. Like me and my best friend, we're both trans. And right now there's so much anti-trans legislation. Mm-hmm. And it's getting harder and harder for me to think about a future in certain ways because it's like, well, I don't really know if I start this or that. But the most steady thing in my life is that I have a roof over my head and a best friend. I would much rather spend a week just curled up watching, you know, a TV show with her 
that sounds better than, you know, going out and dealing with stuff when I'm feeling down. And sometimes I need to interact with the world, but having that safe space to be out of it, you can do that thing where you pick and choose your battles. You can't do that if the battles are around you all the time. Being able to like have those day-to-day -day livelihood battles eliminated so you can just focus on your energy going towards how do I make myself happier and healthier? That to me is the number one thing you can do because if I don't have to worry about food or a roof over my head or having a friend or something like that, then I can focus when I do have extra energy on, all right, I do want to do this thing that is queer activism. I do want to put time and energy into this project. Because for me, I would much rather go out and be physically there for a whole day at something or literally put together some sort of like group or project or write a play where the characters represent some minority group and then talk about it and why that art matters to me than just, you know, have those conversations. I'd rather do things on my own terms. But you can't really do that if you have all this other stuff around you and you just get sucked into the stresses. Mm -hmm. That's kind of my feel I think for me, like with groups, it comes down to like, put your money where your mouth is. If you're renting your house, maybe make sure they find a place. Or, you know, if you are on the city commission and there's an issue of this or that. Or if you're just like friends with one of these people, right? We can get our emotional support from each other. But if people who are in positions of privilege can help us get just our very basic survival support. I feel like, for me, I only have a certain amount of energy for making people of privilege give up their privilege. I find I have more energy for how are we going to make it? Like us making it us. Maybe it's harder. Maybe it takes more thought, creativity, out-of-the-box thinking. But I think that's what these times require. So in other words, in, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, fuck white supremacy and privilege. How about... We figure out, you guys know, I'm all about the food resilience, right? How about we figure out a way we all feed ourselves mm -hmm. and grow our food? Have people with resources among us buy houses, buy land. Mm -hmm. You know, there's people in this town, actually, who have land. People with global majority who have land. Can we figure out among us a way that this land can be used for housing? Can we have a conversation among us? about, you know, how do we put tiny houses or trailers on these lands and create community among ourselves and create some joy and resilience because that system is going to be there tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And that's real. And that should be navigated. People should be doing what they do about that. No shame. I just feel like there's maybe some more energy, but it's, this is why I think it's more difficult because you mean it's, and a groove in the brain that has not been made yet. It's a new trap. And what white supremacy wants from us is to keep engaging with them. Mm -hmm. Here we go. Come on. Let's fight about housing. Come on. Let's fight about housing. Come on. You know, yeah. and it's like, of course they want to talk to us about housing and hear our viewpoints about housing and not give a shit about housing. Of course they do. Because they know. This is a game that they can only win at, and we can never win at. They already know that. Even while they're talking, they already want. They already want, and they will continue to. But if it's my point, is when we get outside that game, 
this junk trunk for your own housing. What I say to white people now is, look, you can keep all your shit. <laughs> it's really fun. We're in liquid modernity, so it's all going away quickly anyway. We can all see that. It's true. It's going to either flood or burn or you don't even have water or whatever. That's all happening right now. So you just keep all that. I'm good with that. <laughs> I am interested in this conversation over here with my people. We're figuring out a way. All I'd like from you is to just not bother us. Just get out of the way. My attention's here. Oh, this is so cool. I'm so glad I'm talking to you guys. You actually are the future because we are about community and sustainability. You know, we know the long game. So you guys are it. You broke my heart when you talked about, I don't even know about my future. In this transphobic fuckery that's happening. Well, I've just had to learn. I mean, it's not even just in a negative way, I will say. It's also realizing I have all of these things and I overthink. When I was younger, I was always shooting, what's my 10-year plan? Mm. And that was something in school wanted me to do, parents wanted me to do. And honestly, right now, just thinking about what am I doing this week? Sometimes it can be sad because I can feel a numbness of like what's to come, I don't know. But it also can be a way to just shut it off and be like, I don't need to think about the future. It's hard when there's so much and you don't fit into some archetype. You can't just be like, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, white picket fence dream. Mm -hmm. That's what's ahead, right? Mm -hmm. We already know how to navigate outside of the system because we already do it every day. Yeah. I feel that a lot being Filipino. When you go to Filipino interviews and neighborhoods, you just see like everyone's a little vanilla in New York. The main thing you see when you go to Little Manila in New York, it's in Jackson Heights. It's under all these like highway and bridges. And it's help or genetic or widely split, like everything. And I always knew that. Like I would go to a Filipino, usually women, um, and say, I'm Filipino. You're instantly met with some kind of love, right? So I'm really tired of trying to get emotional support from people who are like emotionally stunted. And there's just a lot of white people who have been affected by whiteness for so long. I also want to say I'm really thankful that I have the privilege to pick my battles because a lot of my ancestors wanted so hard to be in America. So I'm not going to be in America lightly and just be like, how can I make this like super difficult? No. We fought for happiness and it probably looks like a different context than what they thought it was going to look like for me. And I hope that they're not ashamed of that. But I have to trust that I understand this modern world better than those before me in some contexts because it is really different. Mm -hmm. But also I like super respect where they're coming from and like I'm always considering it. What you're saying is something I, I dealt with too. I mean, who doesn't have the aspirational family that made all the sacrifices for you to have a better life than they had? And the rub is that the better life that they imagine looks like the better life that they could imagine. Yes, that's it's exactly not the yes. better life that is actually possible. Mm -hmm. And I think in the long run, as I've seen talking to my ancestors from the other side, is it's not so much I think that we want the generations coming up to repeat what we did and just do it better. It's more like, how are you going to be happy? And how can you do that in a way that's actually real and sustainable? And 
that happiness is also a way to advance all of us. I think I have a unique perspective because my dad was in a lot of ways like stereotypical Asian dad, like grades, 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 be the best at this. And there's a lot of pressure. But I was a really stubborn person. And I've done that thing where I'm not doing something just despite someone or just for me. I'm doing it because I'm considering everything and doing what I feel is right. Yeah. And you said that about things. And I was always that kind of person. As a kid, it got more pushback. And now I'm like, you know, I am proud of this trait. It's not always good, but I'm proud of this trait. So early on, I started having a lot more fights with my dad and stuff and being angry when he expected high grades of me. Or being angry when he's like, I was the top of band. And I'm like, yeah, you were. Okay, now let's talk about me. I was always trying to be very good about redirecting them. And I can honestly say, like, my dad is such a different person than he used to be. There was a level of his own indoctrination of, like, what he needs to do as a parent. Because that's when he went through, maybe. I feel like I've broken through. And, like, my dad is, like, I'm his best friend. Me and him were just so close. It kind of took having a lot of pushback because it was like breaking through that barrier and so i think even that in itself i've healed some level of that trauma you know my dad is from japan but his mother was the one that immigrated when he was a kid was your dad born in japan yeah my dad was born in japan and he didn't move to the states until high school but his dad is military so he moved on a lot and his mother didn't speak english until later and how to teach yourself. So there's some trauma there and some interesting stories. And then the other thing I always wanted to touch on with the family is I didn't have a relationship really with my Apache town with any of my relatives because we moved away from where they all lived in Florida when I was four. The biggest thing my parents resented about that was taking me and my brothers away from our family. But we did it for our safety. Because it's like School shootings are a monthly occurrence in Florida. We have people burning crosses on people's porches still. We had literal Nazis still in Florida. I'm so glad now because I literally would not be able to exist as a gay crime person without being targeted every single day if I still lived in Florida. So I'm grateful that we had to move out here because it's safe. Often, how do you see yourself traversing this world, PGM and proud? I know you do a lot of music and art, and I just want you to expand on that. As a PGM person, one of my main goals is to really chase my own passions and questions. I super believe that living as ethically as possible and as aligned with my values as possible and as happy as possible will create the most positive change in my community. Too. So I really think right now my main questions are how to decolonize myself and decolonize my passions. So when I was in New York recently, I went to a, a comedy class and I really found my words and all this stuff. And then at the end of the class, I looked at the wall. There's a blue eye with another flag on the wall. I had been so nervous to go to the class, but I hadn't even like looked around and then I wasn't nervous anymore and I was like, what the fuck is that? And then, like, my like teacher was like, "Yeah, we spoke." We always never. And then I learned that 
I'm human is used to train military members and cops. Our martial art form is used a lot by police in America because of its versatility. And that just like set me off. I was like, our anti-oppressive art form being used by cops. And I was like, Tito, do you realize you're literally teaching people how to beat us up? And we had a really like nice conversation about it, but I was really proud of myself for dialoguing with him about it in a way that was respectful. Cause I'm not gonna like cancel him or anything. That's like also something like people are like, cancel and I'm like, I'm not gonna cancel my elders. Like he's still my elder. There's something going on here. I don't agree with him, but like, when is the appropriate time to stand up for yourself? It opens up a really good conversation. Another goal of mine is to learn by Byron, which is the pre-Philippine script. I journal in it. I love it so much. It was a script that's not used a lot because people don't even know that the Philippines has its own writing system. When we were colonized, a lot of knowledge was surveyed. And even our language is Anglicized. We use the same alphabet we use here. There's a lot of Filipinos that don't even know that we have this pre-colonial writing system. So that's my goal, is to keep doing what I like to do. I feel like my questions and my passions are on purpose. I just really believe that we're connected to something. And there's a reason why I'm passionate about that. I'm a rapper and singer, Taurus, and my goal is to sample the fighting into my songs. I just also like name drop. Like, I'll be like, bye bye. People will be like, what's that? My goal is really just to like make art that feels really good to me and helps me understand where I am. And be in creative circles of people that are like really dope at what they do. I love rap because I think that it is just the most amazing genre for self expression. I think brown people will have hip hop culture to raise themselves up, and it's so cool. People want to hear what you have to say when it's art. What a great, great conversation among three really beautiful, intelligent people who grew up in this town and what it was like for them to be relentlessly in the engagement of being othered and how they navigated that. I want to also mention that Ave Avellino is an emerging artist and all of their contact information, their website, their SoundCloud, their YouTube, and their Kickstarter, those links are in the show notes. And if you have the means and the desire to support this artist, we wholeheartedly recommend that you do. In fact, they are one of the artists in the podcast theme song, Melanin. So again, I really hope that you have the interest and desire to support this artist and their debut album by clicking into their Kickstarter campaign. And so next up, we talk with Velda Thomas about communal healing. 
after so many years, possibly a lifetime even, of navigating structural oppression, how does one recover? How does one heal, not just individually, but communally? And we talk about that. We hope you'll join us. We appreciate you for listening to this episode of Talk and Story. Music is provided with permission by Ben Wilson and Camilla J. Talk and Story is a project of Well Organized and has enjoyed the support of the Port Townsend Arts Commission, Jefferson Community Foundation, Finn River Farm and Cidery, and the Community Equity Initiative, as well as private, in-kind, and monetary donations. If you'd like to support us, please go to well-organized.org to make a donation to the Talk and Story podcast. That's well-organized.org. Thank you. How can you full send when you can't comprehend? How can you lend a hand when you can't understand? You're running on a clock, but your time is always late. How can we talk about it when you make us understate? We gotta remind what got us to this place. We gotta rewind our else will erase. Don't undermine the power of our race. You can rebuild a nation, but you can never replace. People like me were burned at the stake. Broke us all down, but you never give us breaks. It's not enough just to learn not to hate. You gotta reparate. You gotta compensate. I gotta let it all out before I save my face. I put it on a beat and we hit it like a bass. I don't got that much or more to say. Just appreciate before you try to take what a... Right.